Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are uh, on the greater subject of uh, our identity and our authority in Christ. And uh, I kind of carry on where I left off yesterday. And uh, yesterday I was talking, I left off from talking from Hebrews chapter 1 and 2 and and uh, I explained why it is so important for us to give the more. These are the words that the King James uses. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any times we should let them slip. That means that we really, really have to give our attention to the things that we have heard uh, and not let them slip, not let them pass. That means the things that we have heard about uh, the greatness of Jesus, about the gospel, about the price that Jesus paid upon the cross. Those are things that we cannot let them slip. They must be brought right to the center arena, so as to say, and they should be preached and they should be proclaimed. And these are simple facts that the Bible tells us how Jesus bore our sins, carried our diseases and all that. And and, you know, when it comes to subjects, let me just say this very clearly, and some people might not like me saying this, but, you know, when things like healing, uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus bore everybody's diseases. He carried all our pains and sorrows and sicknesses, and with his stripes we are healed. That is the way we should preach it. We cannot look at, well, some people are not healed, so we must discuss about, you know, retool our understanding of the, of the atonement. Listen, those things are not up for discussion. And uh, we, sh you know, instead of sitting, uh, theologians sitting in room and discussing how do we retool and re-explain uh, the atonement and because there are people who don't get healed, so how can we say Jesus bore everyone's diseases? We should be on our knees contending for the power of God. We would see more miracles uh, contending for these things in prayer and in whatever, fasting, whatever it takes, whatever it takes through faith and through believing the word of God and preaching the word of God. We should be contending for these things, contending for the power of God rather than discussing these things. That is why when I go to, you know, these annual conventions and meetings and all that, where they spend more time talking than actually seeking God. And, uh, and anyway, I don't, I don't want to go into that, but those things, those, those things, you know, these are things that turn me off. I'm more interested in being with people who contend for Pentecostal power, who, 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 who seek God on their knees. If you seek the face of God, uh, then you can, uh, you, then you will see his hand. And that is, uh, I, unfortunately, it's an art that the church has greatly lost. We are better at talking than we are at seeking God. And we have to come back to that place where we uh, dig up those old wells and preach the word of God with power and preach faith and, and press on. Even if our experiences sometimes are to the contrary, instead of standing and looking for explanations and excuses, we just keep on pressing forward and contending for the power of God. And that's what we have to do. So it says that we cannot let these things slip because we, you know, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? We cannot neglect these things either. We have to hold on, hold fast to what Jesus has done and preach it and proclaim it and press on towards it. 
and value the things that Jesus has done. We have to value salvation, value the altar call, value the, you know, bringing people to Christ and, and evangelism and witnessing and prayer for the sick. And, uh, you know, I go to churches and sometimes they say, oh, just preach and, 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 and the altar isn't that important. And then you have to be out of here by 35 minutes. So they give me 30 minutes. Look, I'm Pentecostal. It takes me half an hour. I joke, I say it takes me 45 minutes just to get warmed up. And they, and, and so what, what happens that they, they preach the word and, and sometimes there's no altar call. There's no altar call and often they don't pray for the sick. And then they expect God to do miracles. They talk about miracles. We must give time to these things. We, you know, we must seek God because sometimes the greatest miracles happen when people are at the altar. We must give that time for people to seek God at his altar and take time to pray for people uh, and, and not cut everything short. It's, it grieves the Holy Spirit when churches do that. They say they believe in healing, but they don't press forward for it. You cannot have that which you don't press forward for. So, because it says, and all this, 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 these are part of this great and wonderful salvation that we have received. And he says, which at first was uh, spoken to by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Hallelujah. And, uh, and God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. He says, God bears witness to this glorious gospel by signs and wonders and miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. All these supernatural works of God, they attest to the gospel. So that's why we have to bring these things to the center arena and not make solving and evangelism a sideshow or the uh, or miracles as sideshow. But the main show is the eloquence of the pastor on Sunday morning. Those 30 minutes he gets before the people and, you know, his, his, his eloquence. That's not the main show. The main show is what God does. And God will do what he does if we preach the word of God and not just a, 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 a fancy speech by a pastor who quotes one scriptures and tells lots of stories because then God has nothing to confirm. God will only confirm his word. Jeremiah 1.12 says, I'm watching over my word to perform it. So beloved, we must preach the scriptures and preach the Bible and not stand there telling stories. So these are important. I know some of you American European pastors are getting offended what I'm saying, but I don't care. Maybe my friends in India and third world countries, they are, um, are hearing because they are still, listen, they are still hungry for uh, the, the power of God. They want the fire of God and uh, amen, praise God. So anyway, but it says here, and this is what I finished with yesterday. I said, but in a certain place, one testifies, you know, what is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him? He said, who are you? Who is man that God would be mindful of him and that the son of man should visit him? What is man? So it says, then gives the history of man. It says, you made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. And you put all things under his feet and all that. But now we don't see all things put under him. So what he's basically saying that God, he says, God, you created man and you put him 
Uh, you crowned him with glory and honor and you put him over the works of your hands. And uh, you gave, you put everything under his feet, but he messed up. He sold it out to the devil because of his sin. He chose to disobey you and go his own way. And yet you are, you, you still look at us. You, you are still mindful of us. And he said that that's the first thing that he wonders about why God didn't utterly reject us, but that he, he still made this overture to us. And he, he kind of came, you know, he came to us and then he says, uh, and and that that glory and authority that's the second thing he says we don't we don't see that anymore so we say you know we say that we have authority now through Jesus Christ but we don't have the authority that God gave to Adam that natural authority which we had because we are created in uh, God's image and his likeness that authority that's not the authority we walk in but the authority we walk in is the one that Jesus has because he is the one who came to this earth and he defeated the devil. He destroyed his works and took power back from the devil. He arose from the dead saying all power and authority in heaven and on earth are given unto me. So, so what says in verse nine, in verse eight says, we don't see all those things. We don't see all those things at, under the feet of man. We don't see man walking in authority, but we see Jesus. Hallelujah. So that means that our authority is in Jesus. As long as you are walking in Christ, as long as you and I are walking in Christ and we hide our lives in Christ, you know, that's a conscious choice we have to make because we can be out there doing our own thing and saying, oh, I believe in Jesus. A lot of, lot of Americans do that. You know, we say, oh, so-and-so is a Christian. Christian, well, why doesn't his speech or his, uh, or, 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 or his actions show any of the Christian? Yeah, yeah, he's a baby Christian. And we, we do that for the president of the United States. We do that for politicians and sportsmen and film stars. Anybody we like, we say, oh, he's a Christian. Look, Christian, to be a Christian, isn't that, you know, there is Jesus and here are you doing your own thing. And there are times you say, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus. You know, I'm a Christian. That's not Christianity. Christianity is when we put our lives consciously, make a decision to be in Christ and to walk with him. So that's what it means. And that is the place of authority. He said, but we see Jesus. And so we have authority. We can walk in divine authority, not by a kind of a passive belief in Jesus that, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus died and rose again. I believe in him. So I'm born again. No, that's not Christianity. It's when we put our lives in Christ and we, we are, our lives are hidden in Christ, in God, and we seek God to walk with him. And that, that is when we have authority. Amen. So we, we see Jesus. We walk in Jesus. When our lives are hidden in Christ, that is when we are overcomers. We are more than conquerors and we have authority. Amen. So Jesus came and died for us. And when our lives are hidden in him, when we consciously decide to live in Christ, that is when we have authority through Jesus. So our authority is only through Jesus Christ. It is not that Adamic authority through which we have authority by default, by biological reason. We are of Adam, so I have authority. No, that that will never be restored. But we have authority, but we have it through Jesus. So 
It, it is a totally new dimension and new level of authority, which is actually greater than the authority that God gave to Adam because Adam didn't have authority to, to raise the dead and to heal the sick. That's not mentioned in his mandate. Uh, he had authority to name the animals and to dominate the earth, dominate, the, dominate nature. But we have authority in three worlds through the name of Jesus, heaven, earth and under the earth. Adam only had dominion on the earth. So we have dominion in three worlds, but we'll talk more about that. So the authority we have through Jesus is greater than the authority that God gave to uh, Adam. Again, I don't want to split hairs about these things. If you don't believe it, fine, that's okay. But that's just my, you know, thought. But, uh, just, just believe that is that which is in the Bible. Okay. So anyway, so we must walk in authority and we must walk with the royal anointing. We must walk with the royal anointing and we must walk in authority. So if we are in Christ, we have to walk in authority on this earth as representatives of Jesus Christ. That is the flag that we fly. We are representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, if you go to Washington, D.C., where all these ambassadors from different countries are, and when they drive in their cars, their limousines, their car always flies a flag, the flag of their country. So everyone who sees the flag knows that they represent that country. So we must fly the flag of the kingdom of heaven in our lives. And everybody must see that we represent Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so here we are on this earth. And we walk in the authority given to us by Jesus because we are in Christ and our lives are hidden in him. And we must walk in a royal, uh, in, in a royal anointing. We must walk like kings upon this earth. Now, let me explain to you what a royal anointing is. You know, many, many, many years ago, uh, I'm talking about, uh, oh, I think th close to 30 years ago, I was doing a crusade in uh, a certain country in Asia. And this country, because, before they become a republic, there were a collection of kingdoms. There were many, many kingdoms, big kingdoms, small kingdoms, and these kings were very, very rich. And so what happened sometime in the 60s, well, they became independent in the 40s uh, from the British. And then in the 60s, uh, these, uh, but, they, but, this, the, but the king still, uh, Although the country was, a, was, you know, was an independent country and the kings didn't rule anymore as absolute monarchs in the days by, but they still, you know, had their money, they had their palaces, they had a, a official status, they had a lot of authority. But what happened, I think in the late 50s, or early 60s, uh, I think it was in the 60s, the government took away uh, their property, they took away their money. And, uh, and they took away their titles, these kings, they lost everything. So those kings who had a lot of wealth, they continued living wealthy. They had still had their palaces because they held the title deeds, but there were other kings, they lost their kingdom, they lost everything and they became very poor, you know. So I was holding a crusade and uh, one night uh, after the crusade, it was, it was still evening, the sky was still kind of, you know, uh, there was still light and we finished early and I was standing like on a mound and 
with my um, the main pastor who had in, uh, who had invited me. He was the interpreter, and I was watching the people leaving. And then I see this couple at a distance. They were dressed in very ordinary clothes. They were walking, and as they were walking, everybody stopped, and uh, some people went on their knees and bowed their heads. Cars driving stopped, and the drivers, people driving the car, came out of the cars and stood on the side respectfully with their heads bowed until this couple passed. Then they drove on. I mean, like everybody was showing them honor. So I asked the uh, the interpreter, I said, brother, what is that going on? And they said, oh, that couple, he says, they are the king and queen of our state. And at one time they were, I mean, this was one of the biggest uh, kingdoms in this country. And then uh, in the 60s, the government took everything from them. And now they, are, they really have nothing left. And he says, they, but they, uh, they, they live in a small house there and they live under very humble circumstances. Uh, he says they don't even have a car. And as you can see, they are, um, uh, you know, they're wearing very simple, humble clothes. They have no bodyguards. And he says, I said, really? He said, yeah, and they got saved tonight. They were at the altar call tonight. I said, really? The king and the queen? He said, yeah, yeah. And, but he said, but you see, here's the thing. He says, they have lost all their wealth. They have lost all their power, but they still have the love and the honor of the people because he was a good king. She was a good queen. So people always, because of their goodness, people always respected them and people still respect them. And today they gave their lives to Jesus. I said, well, that's wonderful. And as I was looking at this couple, I began to notice one thing. The first thing I noticed was their regal bearing. Their regal bearing, I mean, he walked like a king and she walked like a queen. You could see the way, you know, the, 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 the way they walked. It was not arrogant or prideful, but they carried their, um, um, their, how do you say, their being regal, you know, that their, their being of royal blood, they carried that well. And, 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 uh, uh, and as I was looking at them, the Lord began to speak to me. I began to hear a voice and suddenly the whole scene disappeared and I was like seeing a vision and the Lord began to speak to me and the Lord said, look at this couple. The Lord said, they have lost everything. They have no property. They have very little money. But one thing that nobody could take away from them was their royalty. And the Lord said, they still carry a royal anointing. And, and the Lord said, you need to learn about the royal anointing. I said, Lord, what is the royal anointing? And this is what the Lord said to me. Now, you, you take it for what it's worth, okay? This is what God showed me. I just wanted to share with you. And if it resonates with your heart and if it's scriptural, you can keep it. If it doesn't, just lay it aside. But here's what the Lord showed me. The Lord said that Jesus was prophet, priest, and king. And we too are prophets and priests and kings. Though the Bible says he has made us priests and kings unto God. And uh, so, and then the Lord said to me, a prophet speaks from God to man. And we, you and I, uh, he's talking about you and I. He says, God says that I am to speak from God to man. And then the Lord said that a priest represents man before me. And you as believers, you have to stand 
before me on behalf of man and make intercession for them. So this is what the Lord said. So the Lord said that we all be believers. We, we are prophets in the sense that we speak from God to man. And we are priests in the sense that we represent man before God and make intercession for man. And the Lord said, but the third thing about Jesus was the king. And that anointing is also upon you because Jesus is the king of kings and he can be the king of kings only if you walk as a king. And the Lord said, and this is something you have to learn. He said, my people, they understand uh, the prophetic, they understand the priestly, but they don't understand the royal anointing. So I said, Lord, teach me. And then the Lord began to tell me, you see, a king, a royal anointing, it has nothing to do with how much money you have or how much property you own or what kind of house you live in or what kind of uh, car you drive. Because the Lord said, look at this couple. They don't have all that. They had it. They lost everything, but they still carry the royal anointing because what is regal in you, it is within you. It's not about what you own and it's within you. He says, now, uh, uh, and, and then he says, look at many of these preachers. They, they talk about their bling. They talk about their Rolexes, what they own. He says, royalty never does that. Royalty never preaches and boasts about what they own. They just live like kings. They walk like kings. And uh, uh, a king will never have to uh, tell you that, look, at this is what I own. This is the palace I live in. He'll never do that. Others will do that. He won't. He doesn't care. He is royalty. That's his blood. He's of royal blood. And so he said, you have to do that. And he said, secondly, a king will never come on television and beg people for money. Oh, you must, you know, he said, if you walk in a royal, royal anointing, you will never beg or manipulate people for money. And then the Lord said, when you walk, and then he says, a king rules by the words of his mouth. And this is the most important thing. And the Lord said, when you walk in a royal anointing, you speak my word and you decree things. And, uh, and the Lord said, you must learn to do that. When you, you decree and you speak out healing over people's lives by speaking my word. When people are tormented by the devil, you speak my word over them and, and, and speak deliverance to them. When people come to you with their children who are lost and who are strayed and they're on drugs and we are begging you for prayer, you should speak the word over their children and set them free because my word is powerful and it is through my word that you decree and you 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 walk in a royal anointing and you dominate and and so that's what the Lord said that uh, a child of God is many things. On one hand we are servants, we are slaves, that's the doulos. We are bond servants. We are saved, slaves. We don't exalt ourselves over other people. We don't, uh, you know, uh, put ourselves over other people. So when it, and the Lord said, when you are with people, you are a servant. But when you face demons and diseases and you walk on this earth, you walk like a king. That's what he said. When you come to me, he said, you are a child. And so I, I begin to learn these things that we are so many things. You know, the Bible says we are laborers for Christ. We are farmers for Christ. And the Lord said, that's what you are on the harvest field. You're a farmer. You're sowing seed. You're a laborer for Christ. And the Lord said, in the church, when it comes to my people, you are a servant. You serve them. You, you put yourself last and you serve them. 
and uh, uh, you know and uh, and then the lord said but when you stand uh, before the world you know you stand in the world and you stand you look around at what's around you and um, uh, demons and diseases he said there you have to walk like a king you have to speak like a king and speak the word of authority over demons and diseases so that's what the royal anointing is all right so that's what i'm saying is that before god we are children on the harvest field we are laborers and farmers and before god's people before the church we are servants we are doulos but in the world, when we face the world, when we face diseases and demons and what is in the world, then we have to, the Lord said, you must learn to live and to walk like a king and carry the royalty that belongs to you because you are a child of God, you are a child of the king and that you are in Christ, that gives you a royal anointing and a royal authority and you've got to learn to live with that and walk that out in this world. And whenever you see the works of the devil, you decree and you speak my word and you take authority over demons and diseases. But anyway, so that's, that's how we have to walk as God's people, as kings. Amen. So now I'm going to show you uh, the three main ways through which we exercise authority. The first way we exercise authority is by using the name of Jesus. Amen. Philippians 2 uh, verses 9 to 11, it says, Therefore, wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Well, I've also run out of time. Uh, I try to keep these lessons, you know, to a, to a certain amount of time and um, I can't really finish this point today, but what we will do, we will start uh, with this tomorrow. We'll start, we'll talk about the authority of the name of Jesus and then we'll talk about the other points through which we exercise authority. So just stay with me and uh, keep us in prayer and we pray for you and, uh, and uh, stay blessed in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, pray for my brothers and sisters and their families. Thank you for your hand over their lives. Use them mightily for your glory to touch the lives of other people. Father, I pray for life and health and healing in their lives. May they walk in your glory, in your power, and bear much fruit so that you are glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. I'll be seeing you tomorrow.